0: Let's turn first of all in God's Word to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read just one verse here. And then we'll go back to Genesis 6 and 7. Second Peter chapter 2. We read just verse 5, speaking here of God's work. And spared not the world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Now let's turn back to Genesis chapter 6. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, Yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits. And the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life, From under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. With thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Let's move ahead now to verse 22. Thus did Noah. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me of this generation. And then skipping down to verse 7, Genesis 7, verse 7. And Noah went in, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark, Because of the waters of the flood, of clean beasts, and of beasts that are not clean, and of fowls, and of everything that creepeth upon the earth, they went in, two and two, unto Noah, into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. Going down to verse 15, And they went in unto Noah, into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. And all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail. And the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle, and of beasts, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, and of all that was in the dry land, died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, and the creeping things, and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive. And they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth and hundred and fifty days. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. The text that we consider tonight is Hebrews 11 verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have seen from the Word of God what faith is. Faith, according to Hebrews 11, verse 1, is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Faith, we have said, believes what the eye Cannot see. Indeed, if the eye can see it, if the hands can touch it, if the ears can hear it, then no faith is required. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What God gives unto us to consider tonight is one of the very first examples of somebody believing a word of which they had no physical evidence. There was no proof, no physical proof that a flood was coming. And yet, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. While the world ridiculed him, Noah walked by faith. Noah's ark. We use that as our theme. First, we'll see the ark prepared Second, the world condemned, looking at that phrase by which he condemned the world. And then third, the heir of righteousness, looking at the end of the verse, became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. The ark prepared. The reason that the ark was prepared is that Noah was moved with fear. Noah was moved with fear because he had received a message. This was a unique message that he had received. It was a message that came from God Himself. Almighty Jehovah had come to the earth and had brought a message unto Noah. And Almighty God warned Noah of things not seen as yet. We know from the Old Testament that the things not seen as yet was rain. As yet it had not rained upon the earth. God told Noah that rain would fill the earth. The rain would come from two different places. The rain or the water would come from above. God would open up the firmament so that the rain would come down from above. But as well, God would open up the earth, and water would come up out of the earth. As of yet, man had not seen rain upon the earth. And so it is then that Noah, as he received this report from God would have had no personal experience that he could use to know how to respond to this message that he had gotten from God. You see, whenever we receive a, a warning, and we receive warnings through the news media of whether that is coming, inclement whether that is coming, and when we receive a report of bad weather that is coming, then we use our personal experiences with weather to formulate a response to that report. And so if the weatherman says that there is going to be a lot of rain coming, then we know how to respond to that. Make sure that the gutters are opened up. Make sure that the drains aren't plugged so that the water can go away from the home. If the weatherman says that is going to be a cold snap, bitterly cold weather that's coming, then we know how to respond to that based on our experiences with such weather. God warned Noah of things that as yet had not been seen. There were no scientific studies that Noah could lean upon to help him know how to respond to this warning. No research that had been done about what to do when it rains. The text says that having heard this message from God, Noah was moved with fear, being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear. This certainly cannot mean and does not mean that Noah was anxious, that Noah was worried about what would happen. It cannot mean that Noah was anxious about this word that he had received from God because anxiety is incompatible with faith. It would be a contradiction to say, by faith Noah became anxious. Faith is confidence. Faith is relying in God. Faith is a certain conviction that God's word is true. And so it cannot be the case here then when it says that by faith he was moved with fear, that then Noah had this certain sense of apprehension, a certain anxiety about what would happen to him, and then that fear or concern for the future is what motivated him to go out and build the ark. That's not the idea here of Noah being moved with fear. Rather, beloved, the idea is this, that Noah had a humble reverence for and respect of the Word of God. He had a godly fear. He was moved with that godly fear. The reason Noah was filled with reverence for this Word and respected this Word was because of the One who gave him that message. He was warned of God, of things not seen as yet. If simply another man had come unto him and told him this report, that there would be a coming worldwide destruction of the earth, that the earth would open up and that water would cover the earth If simply a man had given that report unto Noah, then Noah would have been well to be filled with disbelief. But because that word came from God, Noah respected it. He had reverence for that word. God still has his word on this earth, God still speaks. To his people. What is our response to that word of God? When Noah heard the word of God, he was moved with fear, with respect for Jehovah God. How respond we to God's word? Being moved with fear, Noah prepared an ark. Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house. That he prepared this ark means that he constructed the ark. Noah was involved in construction labors. That's what that word prepared means. The same word is used in Hebrews 3 verse 4. We read there, for every house is builded by some man. That word translated as builded is the same word translated in this verse as prepared. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. Noah built, he constructed the ark. And this construction of the ark was no small or quick project. It was a task that would require patience and perseverance. One hundred and twenty years before there was a single drop of rain that fell down from heaven on this earth, Noah began the labors of constructing the ark. Vast amounts of material would be needed to be gathered together. Trees would have to be cut down, planed, and cut to size in order to be used in the construction of this ark. A huge project this would have been. Genesis chapter 6 tells us that the ark was some 300 cubits wide, some 50 cubits tall. Rather, some 50 cubits wide, 300 cubits long, and 30 cubits tall. That means it would be about 450 to 500, depending on the exact length of a cubit. 450 to 500 feet long. It would be over 45 feet tall, taller than a three-story building. And it would be over 90 feet wide. By faith. Noah prepared. He built this ark. Noah evidently was a man of no small amount of carpentry abilities. If he wasn't a good carpenter, he learned to be a good carpenter. In the 120 years that he spent sawing, cutting, hammering pitching it with pitch within and without so that the ark would float. We mustn't envision that the ark was similar to modern-day ships. Ships are designed to navigate through the waters, not not only to float, but also to get from point A to point B. The ark did not have to navigate through the waters. The ark had to float. It was more or less a large storage container wherein God put his covenant family and species of every kind. What stands out about Noah building the ark is that Noah prepared the ark according to God's instructions. This is different than Noah believing God's word. That a flood was coming. That's one thing that Noah believed. When God came unto Noah and God warned Noah of things not seen as yet, Noah believed God that a flood was coming. But Noah's faith didn't stop there. He didn't just believe that a flood was coming, Noah also believed that God's plan for how to handle this flood would be sufficient to save him and his house. We saw that in Genesis chapter 6. God came unto Noah, Genesis 6, verse 13, and God told Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the ark. So that's God warning Noah of things not seen as yet. But then, after God told Noah, there's this destruction that's coming, then God went on and God told Noah, Noah, this is what you are to do in order to be delivered from that destruction. Here's what you are to do. Genesis 6, verse 14. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion with which thou shalt Make it 300 cubits by 50 cubits by 30 cubits. And then at the end of Genesis chapter 6, in verse 22, we read, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. What an evidence of faith that was that Noah trusted. That the means that God had commanded him to make use of would be sufficient to deliver him from the coming flood. When Noah heard that God was going to destroy the earth with water from the earth, Noah didn't start thinking to himself, "Uh uh-oh, there's this destruction Coming, there's going to be this great disaster, and so I better start finding my own ways to avoid this destruction that's going to come on the earth. But just as Noah had confidence that God's word was true with regard to the coming destruction, so Noah had confidence that God's plan by which Noah would be saved would be sufficient to deliver Noah and his family from the coming flood. And now if we may evaluate, compare these two realities that Noah believed, I am convinced that the second reality that Noah believed Is the more difficult reality for us to believe. It's not hard to convince Christians of a coming destruction. It's not hard to convince people that the end of the earth is coming, that Jesus Christ comes, that he comes with judgment. That there will be a fire that will burn and destroy the earth. Almost anybody who is a professing Christian believes that there is judgment and it's coming. The more difficult reality to believe is that God's plan of salvation is sufficient to deliver me from that coming destruction. What is our natural response when we hear about the end times, the possibility of government intrusion into our homes, the loss of the ability to use the market to buy, and to sell. As soon as people start hearing about those things, right after that, it gets followed up with, well, we better start making plans. We better start stockpiling stuff. We better start getting things ready so that we can be prepared when this final judgment comes. And man starts having his mind racing, thinking about all the things he's going to do to get ready for this coming judgment. But what did Noah do? By faith, Noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Noah trusted God's plan for salvation. Noah trusted that the architectural design that God had given unto him for the ark would be sufficient. And then he went about the work of building that ark. This is a call to us, beloved, to trust the means of grace. God will give unto us grace through the means of the preaching of the world. And while the world runs around nervous and anxious and afraid and trying to prepare for tomorrow and next year and the end when the end should come, God's people are called quietly to make use of the means of, of grace and a trust that God will provide. Tonight in Bible study the young adults will be looking at Second Thessalonians chapter two. We beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Stand fast, hold the traditions which ye have been taught. That's God's word about preparing for the end. Stand fast, hold the traditions. In doing this, Building the ark by faith, Noah saved his house, his sons, and his sons' wives, and his wife. In doing this, in trusting and believing that the means of grace are sufficient, you do so to the saving of your house. the world was not saved but the world was condemned noah prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world important for us to have an understanding here of what the world was like at this point in time we might conceive of the population on the earth as being Rather small, rather limited. After all, this is the early stages of history. We're only in the sixth chapter of the Bible. and So we might be inclined to think of there just being a small number of people gathered in one very small geographical location upon the earth at this time. But there are two things that would lead us to believe that that was not the case that there was simply a small number of people on the earth in the first place simply considering how much time has passed from genesis chapter 1 up until genesis chapter 6 would lead us to conclude that there were likely thousands if not millions of people upon the earth at this point in time some 3 to 4000 years Past between Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 6. There is more time in between, these, uh, between creation and the flood than the entirety of New Testament history. In addition, a second reason why we would be led to believe that there are lots of people on the earth is the Word of God tells us so in Genesis chapter 6. Genesis 6, verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. Men are obeying the command that God gave to Adam and Eve in the garden, be fruitful and multiply. And so mankind is indeed multiplying across the face of the earth. So what now characterizes these thousands, if not millions of people who now walk across the face of the earth? Wickedness is what characterizes them. Genesis 6 verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The world included unrighteous fathers and unrighteous mothers. The world included mixed marriages. We see that in verse 2. The sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, that they were beautiful, And they took them wives of all which they chose. Instead of marrying in the Lord, sons in the church would grow up and they would desire a mate and they would look out upon the world and they would see the ungodly, albeit physically attractive woman and they would lust after that woman and they would pursue her and marry her. And so you have these mixed marriages on the earth. And the result of these mixed marriages is that there were great men upon the earth. Great, not just with regard to their stature, but great with regard to their wickedness. These ungodly marriages produced ungodly children and ungodly grandchildren. The wicked world would have included false prophets and wicked teachers. It was a world that was ripe for judgment. Eight souls were saved in the ark. The rest was destroyed. Now what was Noah's relationship with this world? And what is your and my relationship with the world in which we presently live? The opposite of condemning the world is joining the world, forming alliances with the world, looking for a bridge that will unite the church and the world together, searching for something that you have in common with the world, and then highlighting and magnifying and clinging to that thing that you have in common with the world. And it doesn't take faith to join the world. Noah condemned the world. He did so because God had given faith to him. Had he not had faith, Noah would have joined the world. For after all, we can well believe that the world was mocking Noah at this time. Though the Word of God does not say it explicitly, we could well believe that as Noah spent 120 years preparing for this yet unseen catastrophe that the world would mock him and taunt him. And what would Noah have had to do in order to stop the mocking of the world? All he would have to do is stop walking by faith. That's all it takes to join the world. Lose the distinctiveness of your Christian walk. Take the edge off of the preaching. Let the preaching seek to pacify everybody. And the world will be quite pleased. But let us not be deceived. The world is not not content simply to coexist by the church. The world is not okay having its place over there and the church having a different place. But the goal of the world always has been to reach into the church and to corrupt the church. And through various means, the world reaches into the church. And it seems as if the one of the world's favorite ways of reaching into the church is by appealing to the children of the church, through the entertainment of the world, through the books that the world produces, through trying to normalize sinful behavior, trying to take gross, sexual. Sins and normalize them so that children grow up without even realizing the perverseness and wickedness of those sins. Always the world is trying to reach its tentacles into the church and corrupt and destroy the church. So, how then do we respond to the world? Noah condemned it. He condemned it by faith. The text says, by the witch, he condemned the world. And that by the witch refers back to his faith. It was by faith that Noah condemned the world. He can, that he condemned them means that he judged the world to be worthy of destruction. And not just a temporal destruction, not just with a coming flood that would soon wipe off all wicked men from off the face of this earth, but with an everlasting judgment. He judged, he condemned the world, judged them to be worthy of that everlasting lake of fire where God sends the wicked. He judged them, he condemned them. But ultimately, it was not so much Noah who condemned the world as it was God who condemned the world. We mustn't imagine that Noah was some sort of an angry individual walking around with this mission that every opportunity he get, he hurl more words against the world, condemning the world. No, it was ultimately God who through Noah condemned the world. Noah was moved with fear, with a godly reverence and respect for the Almighty God. Noah prepared an ark. By faith, he condemned the world. But how? How did Noah's faith, condemn the world. If we said that Noah wasn't standing there, railing against the world every day, then in what sense did he condemn them? It's especially this. He condemned the world by leaving them without excuse. That's how Noah's faith condemned the world. He left the world without an excuse. We read from Second Peter chapter 2. two. Peter two, God spared, verse five, God spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. Noah is called by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit a preacher of righteousness and a preacher is one who is a herald one who blows the trumpet one who sounds forth the message and so noah during the 120 years leading up to the flood coming upon this earth was a preacher of righteousness so as a melody that was sounded forth from that trumpet and the melody that came forth from that trumpet, was the melody of righteousness. And the way especially that Noah preached that righteousness was by his actions. By faith, Noah, being moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And so through his actions, through his witness unto the world, as he constructed that ark, Noah left the world without excuse. Certainly the people of the world would have come to Noah as he was constructing this giant structure which stood some 45 feet tall in the air. And the people of the world would have asked Noah, Noah, what are you doing? Why are you constructing this ark, as you call it? And Noah would have had opportunity then to respond unto the people of the world and instruct them about this coming destruction. And he would have taught them about the holiness of God and how God had given him a warning that that God was coming in order to destroy mankind from off the face of this earth. And then as the preacher of righteousness, Noah would have called the world, exhorted the world unto repentance and faith in this Almighty God. And so it is then that as Noah preached, as he was a preacher of righteousness, that the world knew what was coming. The world could not claim ignorance as the heavens opened up and the earth opened up, so that water was coming both from above and from below, the people of the world could not say at that moment in time, we didn't know, nobody warned us, nobody gave us any heads up that this type of destruction was coming upon the earth. But for 120 years, Noah preached righteousness unto them as he constructed that ark and thereby he left them without excuse. By faith, he condemned the world. He sought to form no alliance with them. He was not discouraged from doing his work through the taunting and the mocking of the world. But He condemned them. Do we leave this world without an excuse? Do we so let our light shine before men that the world knows of Jehovah God? And the world knows that this God is a holy God who is separate from that which is evil, and who loves that which is pure. By faith, Noah condemned the world. He did so by use of the means. Simply doing what God told him to do, constructing the ark, he condemned the world. We don't need to go out of our way to condemn the world. We don't need to hurl world strong words against them, pronounce curses on the people of the world. That's not the Christian's duty. But the Christian's duty is to mind his or her own business, to be faithful in using the means to walk by faith and not by sight. And in so doing, the world is left without excuse and condemned. Having done so, Noah became an heir of righteousness, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. That he became... An heir of righteousness indicates that there was a change that happened in Noah. Once he was not, but then he became the heir of righteousness. This change was in Noah's own consciousness and experience. It wasn't that Noah's status changed in the mind of God. It wasn't that God had originally not planned to have Noah become an heir of righteousness, but then God changed his plans. No, in God's eternal counsel, Noah always would be an heir of righteousness. But Noah became an heir of righteousness in his own consciousness and in his own experience. He knew that he was heir of this Righteousness. Righteousness, that absolute and perfect uprightness and purity. Righteousness to be in accord with God's just and good commandments. Not a single deviation away from that straight and narrow path that God calls His people to walk upon. Righteousness is beautiful for holiness is beautiful Noah knew that he was beautiful for Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord grace is the only explanation for how Noah became an heir Of righteousness. Noah of himself was not perfectly pure, perfectly righteous, and upright. The word says he became an heir of righteousness. He received an inheritance that he did not deserve, but which was given unto him according to God's gift of grace. An heir, a father has a son, and the father loves that son and wishes to bestow blessings, gifts upon that son. The father loves the son even though the father knows the weaknesses of the son. The father is hurt by the son's sins. And yet the father gives that son an inheritance. Why? Because of love. The love of God, the eternal and unchangeable election of God, of His people in Jesus Christ, is why Noah became an heir of righteousness. Noah knew this. He knew it by faith. Became an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Righteousness is always connected to faith, is it not? You cannot separate righteousness and faith, but where there is righteousness, there is faith, and where there is faith, there is righteousness. We've seen these two be parallel truths throughout Hebrews. Chapter 11, so far. Hebrews 11, starting at verse 2. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Faith, good report. Righteousness. We see it again in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice, by which he obtained witness that he was Righteous, faith and righteousness tied together. And now in this verse, Noah became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Faith always connects us unto Jesus Christ. For Noah... He believed the promise of God that a Savior was coming. For you and for me, faith unites us unto that finished work of Christ at the cross. We know our righteousness not because of our works, not because we have earned or merited this good report from God, but we know that we are an heir of righteousness because of faith. By faith, I believe that God has covered my sins for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord our God, Thou art good, and the overflowing fountain of all good. We pray for the application of Thy Word unto our hearts. May we be motivated unto faithfulness, a walk of obedience and gratitude unto Thee for the finished work of Jesus Christ. Give unto us the ability to walk by faith and not by sight, to submit and trust in thy way for us. Send us home with thy blessing for Jesus' sake. Amen.